Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit, the fitness news where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always, I'm joined by Tom. That's what it would sound like if I was doing this podcast underwater. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry, I took the worst time to take a sip of water. Yeah. Carry on. Anyway, I'm going to have another sip. I'm going to treat myself to another sip while she. While while, while while time while while uh while Tom's sufficiently lubricating his vocal cords ready for the podcast, um, I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about this week. <laughs> so this this week we are going to be unpacking a statement, and that statement is people for people fall short of their goals because they don't want it enough. Um, and then this research, well, this statement led us to some new research, um, which is really interesting. We're going to sort of look at that a bit deeper. And the title of that paper is The Intention Behavior Gap in Physical Activity, A Systematic Review and Major Analysis of the Action Control Framework. Now, I can see Tom getting a massive ha- massive hard on right now, because um, if you didn't know, Tom and behavior change, it's very exciting. He loves it. Don't you, Tom? Go hand in hand. Go hand in hand. You absolutely love it. So yeah, he, he's very excited about it. So um, yeah, I think before he decides to explode all over his microphone, which would be quite problematic. (laughs) Let's jump into this week's The Fitness News. Okay, guys, quickly before we jump into the first part of the show, quick update for those who were with us last week. And remember that I was in an absolute horrible state my ankle is on the mend some would say i'm like wolverine i've healed incredibly fast i went to the gym yesterday absolutely no problems so that's all good and also we're doing the podcast on a thursday like we should have done last week which means there's no problems there's no problems about me going out on a friday night and then having to do the podcast on saturday morning so it's all it's all good it's all good and well I mean, I knew it wasn't serious when you didn't put black and ambiguous Facebook status where you tag yourself in the hospital <laughs> oh, and God, you, yeah. you put a tagline saying, you know, oh, I'm in absolute bits. I'm in absolute bits. And then bits, someone yeah. comments underneath saying, what's happened? And you go, I don't want to talk about it, hun. DM yeah, me. DM, DM me, hun. DM me. DM <laughs> Drop me, me a DM, hun. God, fucking that's, <laughs> that, that still happens, though, doesn't it? DM People me, hun. I can't... Can't, can't trust these the snakes, hun. <laughs> as Tom said, it's like having another. It's like having a different human on the podcast this week. So yeah, I'm back on form. Did you get my flowers? Did I get, <laughs> did I get your flowers? Um, you can fuck off. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's move on with the show because we wasted enough of your time last week with a fucking huge story at the intro. Um, so yeah, we we are going to start this week's show by looking at some polls. But actually, first, I think we should probably explain what we meant by the intention behavior gap because I mentioned that in the at the very beginning. So basically, what this is is kind of like a description of certain scenarios where a strong intention or strong intentions uh, to engage in certain behaviors, you know, like physical activity, which we're going to talk about, fail to produce actual behavior change. Okay, so you have an intention, but then it fails to produce the actual behavior change you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for example, an intention such as lose weight or build muscle, you want to you want to turn that into an action and a result. And then when you fail that, we then talk about the intention behavior gap. Why is there a gap? Why when we say we're going to do something, we don't do it? What is the behavior that prevents us from doing that intention in the first place? Okay. And as I said, obviously, we're going to be focusing on this from a fitness related standpoint. Obviously, this is the fitness news. But I would say it applies to most things, really, doesn't it? You can can have an intention about absolutely anything. um, Yeah. And there's going to be behaviors which 
either you succeed or fail. Particularly in um, the scenarios we're going to kind of talk about related to health, fitness, nutrition. Mm. So for example, someone could have the intention in the new year that they've finally decided they want to, the old classic is, oh, I want to lose weight. Yeah, or it sure. could be a weight neutral goal. It could just simply mm. be, oh, I'm going to start taking up swimming. But maybe it never actually happens. You have the intention of wanting to do it. You generally want to pick up these new healthy behaviours, but they just never materialise. And why is that? They don't want it hard enough, Bill. Well, that's, I'll that's, see you that's, next week. That's, that's literally where the cliche comes from, isn't it? People fail their intention because, well, some would say, some would argue, they clearly didn't want it enough, right? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at our own thoughts on it. And of course, this new research paper, which is uh, rather quite interesting. So let's jump into that paper quickly, and then we'll look at those polls. So what this meta-analysis did, it quantified the distribution of four intention behavior profiles and then it basically estimated the in, uh, intention behavior gap right so it looked at four different profiles which we'll go into a little bit in a second um, and then it kind of tried to look at okay what is the difference between them is there a difference um, but before we so of guys if you're really excited about the paper you can skip past the polls i wouldn't do that but you can if you want to but before we get into the rest of this paper we are going to look at our fantastic instagram polls from you guys and you guys have been flooding in it's really nice to see thank you very much we make a lot of it up <laughs> we make a lot of it up uh not not i not have quite like <laughs> 10 i have like 10 dummy accounts 10 ghost accounts you just fucking spam them that i send to you all the time including <laughs> all that sexually aggressive stuff Moving on to the polls. <laughs> Moving on to the polls. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for getting in touch with these. Uh, if you do want to get involved with these polls um, and hear us talk about your points, et cetera, et cetera, head over to the Instagram, which is at chatshitgetfitpodcast. Uh, the link is down in the description, uh, in the show notes, I should say. And you can give us a follow, and then you can stay up to date on everything chatshitgetfit. So let's look at what people had to say this week. So first question. This was a nice little simple yes or no poll. Do you think people fail fitness-related goals because they don't want it enough? Right? It was yes or no. Tom, what do you think the percentages were? I'm going to go ahead and say 50-50. Not quite. That isn't a cop-out, by the way. I genuinely I believe it's yeah. a 50-50 answer. Yeah, but you've read the fucking research, haven't you? So shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, I also um, know yeah. what some of our listeners are like. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, the, <laughs> all right, mate. The percentages were 30% of people said yes, 70 said no. Okay, which is quite surprising to see. Quite surprising to see. Uh, and then, because we're obviously talking about behavior, and this is all kind of about motivation behind intentions, the next question where we've got a, bit, a little bit more feedback from was, how do you self-motivate? So we'll go through some of the, uh, the responses here. We'll sort of discuss them a little bit. Have a race as a goal, set realistic goals, make it a habit so I don't have to motivate myself every day. There's quite a lot there. That's more of like a process to say as opposed to saying, okay, this is how I self-motivate. This is more of like, okay, this is my process I go to to make sure that I hit my intentions, basically. Making it a habit is obviously an important thing because the terminology that I don't have, so I don't have to motivate myself every day because we know if you make something automatic, if you make something habitual, it requires less effort. If something requires exactly, a lot more effort, yeah. if something requires a lot of effort, it requires more motivation to do so. Whereas if you make it a habit, it's not really like it's routine, isn't it? You don't really have to think about it. So you don't really have to think about, well, how can I motivate myself to do this task? Well, I do it every day anyway. By the way, by saying, oh, we're making it less effort, doesn't mean that whatever, if, for example, we're saying it's an activity or or if we're saying it's a habit where you're, I don't know, you started meal prepping, we're not saying that it's effortless. Come easy. That what you're doing is easy. We're not saying that yeah. at all. Because of course, if no. you are exercising, there's going to be effort. If you are taking time out to, say, meal prep, once again, that's going to be effort as well. But what we mean is by making it an intrinsically motivated thing to do, 
it just becomes almost like a thoughtless process. It just happens like so. For example, I walk to I walk back and forth to work. I I don't drive. I could very easily take my car. But where to me, it's just a simple case of whenever I think about going to work, my automatic thought process is I'm just going to walk to work. It's very easy for me to get my steps in for the day. Don't you live five minutes from the gym? Well, a mile. <laughs> but no, what I'm but, saying yeah, is yeah, I if, I, I'm just, if yeah. I go back to the gym, if I go to the gym back and forth, then that's about 6,000 steps, you know. Okay, yeah, sure. So for, lot, yeah. for some people, listen to Finn Bill, sometimes we actually... And we under, we try we underestimate ourselves or what we're actually doing. Yeah. Okay. Like for some people, they might find oh, I really struggle to get steps in. Whereas with me, even though I am putting the effort in to get those extra steps, at the same time it's effortless in regards to the thought process. Because to me, it's just when I go to work, my automatically my automatic um, just go for a walk. Action is well, I'm just going to walk to work, aren't I? Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, I'll it's get, I'll get it's you, my man. habit. It's my behaviour. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, yeah. Cool. So that was an interesting one there. That was kind of kicking us off with more of a process one there, which is awesome. Um, next one here, then. So this person's kind of talking how they think in their head. Do you remember what it was like getting out of breath, walking up the stairs? Um, yeah, you never want to feel like that ever again. Now it's just the leg doms that hurt. <laughs> so obviously this, this person's talking it from like a reflection point of view of kind of like the reason they stay on top of their fitness is because they know what it was like when they weren't fit. We're going to remember that keyword reflection for later on, I think. That's a really good point they brought up. That's a very good point. So they've basically, that's what they're doing. They're essentially reflecting on what it was like before. And then, well, they they remember that being an unpleasant experience for them. And because of that unpleasant experience, they've gone, okay, I don't want to be in that situation again. And that's what they use as their sort of motivation. That's a bit of a tricky one because I think sometimes people might feel motivated by like a past fear of, oh, I fear getting to that point again. Or I fear of losing my gains. When actually self-reflection doesn't necessarily have to be realising that you fear of becoming unfit again. It could be a celebratory moment where you kind of say to yourself, wow, look what my body's actually capable of. I'm looking forward to keep doing this. Yeah. For example, if someone's into challenges and they might be wanting to embark on a new challenge, they could self-reflect go, well, I did a marathon last year, so why can't I do this next challenge? Why can't I'm capable of doing something that hard? And what does that build? Self-efficacy. Self-efficacy, exactly. So yeah, this this is really exciting stuff, isn't it? <laughs> so, it is uh, for me. Like. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So the next one, I wasn't being sarcastic. So the next one, uh, from from, uh, from Kate. What's so that erection right now. <laughs> Sorry, not because of not because of Kate. Carry on. <laughs> no, but Kate's ears probably just perked up thinking, oh, they mentioned my one, and you I'd just say got, what got did perk that up. erection. <laughs> oh no, walked into that one. Sorry, sorry. Once Kate. again, um, not because please. of yourself, Kate, but I'm sure you're a lovely lady. But it's just more to do with the subject we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, so Kate said. Um, just the knowledge that I will feel awesome when it's done and and crap all day if I don't. So once again, there's almost like a bit of, there's a, there's a link between self-reflection and knowledge, which is something we're going to talk about later as well, in terms of she knows what it's like if she doesn't go to the gym. She doesn't feel great during the day. And she knows that if she does go, she feels awesome when it's done. So once again, there's kind of like a link between knowledge and self-reflection there. She's using that as her motivation of, I know what it's like when I go and I like that feeling. So... I'm going to want to keep doing it. And that's what baby basically gets her out of bed to go to the gym at whatever hour she decides to go. Um, <laughs> next one. Fuck's go. sake. Fuck's sake. Next one. Um, <laughs> one it's one word. Goggins. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> I know. It's one of my you. many uh, that's, um, that's, pages. That's our, good friend of, that's our good friend of the show, Daddy from In The Necrap. Oh, is it? Okay, great. I'm I'm glad you'd appreciate my uh, earlier comment I made on social media. Your earlier comment, yeah, your earlier post, yeah, (laughs) Goggins. I mean, we we are, we we might touch on that, but to be fair, 
if you are someone who likes those, I mean, I've got nothing against the guy. If that's if that sort of stuff motivates you, because he is very sort of how to describe it, I'd say it's more masculine, masculine side of motivational techniques. Like, 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 stay hard, yeah, stay hard, get hard, fucking you know, just get up, stop feeling so blah blah. So, uh, so I, this that works for some me people. Hard. <laughs> it works for some people. Okay, so obviously there's, there's a bit of laughter behind the Goggins comment, but for some people, the fact that you have that man shouting at you saying "stay hard." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually I was, yourself. <laughs> I was discussing this with someone in the gym yesterday and we were saying how did he think this did he not think this through when he was thinking of his catchphrase like all the immature men out there when you start to say to people just just stay hard David Gog David Goggins has served his time and he generally is a very fit bloke as yeah, well super fit super fit but I guarantee you he doesn't do half the shit that he's trying to promote people to do do you not think do you not, do you not think no no I don't think that he's constantly running all the time and never sleeping I don't what yeah, I mean <laughs> he is and more- this whole this whole get hard thing, like look, you know yourself, it could get pretty fucking demotivating. You yeah, know. It can, yeah. No. And rather than just trying to repeat yourself, stay hard, it's probably better to have some other form of, you know, weight coping skills or coping mechanisms that actually deal with challenges that pop up and just saying stay hard to yourself over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's what I'm gonna start doing to the single mums of the world. I'm just gonna say stay hard. Yeah, oh, hard. rent is late. You're about to get kicked out. Guess what? Stay hard, bitch. To the man that's dying from a very horrific illness in the hospital. Guess what I'm going to tell him? Let's escalate quickly. Stay, Stay hard. hard. I, I, I don't, he might have problems staying hard, though, depending on his age. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, do you know what I'll still say to him? Stay hard. Anyway, next one. A uh, bit more bit more back to normality again. Um, I remind myself of how I want to feel. Okay. So once again, the feeling thing, we're going to talk about this. There's obviously some similarities between some of these comments. Obviously that one, we'll talk about more when we come to sort of the behaviour, motivation side of things. Um, and then we'll finish with this. <laughs> Fuck's sake. What are you laughing at? This is, I saw this, I laughed at this one earlier. Oh, go on. <laughs> Two scoops of pre with a side of test. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that will <laughs> certainly get you motivated. <laughs> that will certainly get valid, you going. valid um, way of motivation going about things. things. Yeah, I mean, that will certainly get you motivated to go to the gym, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but um yeah god we'll leave it there <laughs> we'll leave it on that one uh guys thanks for getting in touch really appreciate it really awesome to see some of those points there it's going to be good to sort of just go into the rest of this podcast you'll probably start to hear kind of some similarities maybe for your own thought processes and kind of what the research says and what some of the framework uh, also says so polls aside let's take a closer look at this paper so we did mention four intention behavior profiles and i'll now tell you what they are so number one Non-intenders who do not exceed their intentions, okay? So people who, well, that make, I mean, that just makes complete sense, doesn't it? People who had no intention of doing something do not exceed because they, it makes, I mean, I don't need to, you know, expand that too much. Number two, non-intenders who exceed their intentions, which is quite interesting. Number three, intenders who do not successfully meet their intentions. And four, intenders who successfully meet their intentions. Okay. So obviously the key ones there, I mean, they've obviously got four, so they've got a nice sort of big, broad scope of it there. But three and four are the kind of really interesting ones because you've got the people who intended to do something who don't meet that intention. And you've got those who who intended to do something, but they have successfully met it. Um, So... As I mentioned, this is a systematic review of meta-analysis. So as with all studies of this design, the researchers are going to screen loads of data. They've gone through shitloads of papers. And what they ended up with... Yeah. And what they did, they ended up with 22 studies with 25 independent samples and 29,600 participants. So it's quite a a large paper, I'd say. Um, And kind of what the results says, we're going to use some lovely little 
some lovely little pictures I've got here um, to sort of break down the results. Great thing to do on an, on an, on a podcast. That is an audio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't really can't really show you. Can I? <laughs> I've got to kind of whack out a, po- a little PowerPoint presentation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an oversight. I'll break down the percentages of where kind of it where you know out of, out of the. 26,000, uh, 29,600 where people lay in this intention behavior profile. Only 4.2% of them were non-intenders exceeding right. intentions. You say only, but I still think it's pretty impressive that people that generally didn't give a fuck, a fuck. were yeah, still successful. Still succeeded, yeah. It might only be 4.2%, but it's great to not give a fuck and still be successful. What is what is the math? What is the maths on that? It's 29,000. What's that? 4.2. I mean, that's still 1,200 people pretty much. I mean, I'm still curious how they would measure that. Like, how would you measure that someone that's successful if they weren't even measuring their success in the first place? Like, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we anyway, didn't next. want to win the lottery, but we did. Uh, next one. This one made more sense, obviously. Non-intenders not exceeding their intentions was 26%. Okay, so pretty much a quarter of the participants there. Obviously, they had no intentions, so there's not really a surprise if they didn't exceed their intentions. So people that didn't want it enough didn't get it. Funny that. The next two is where it gets a bit more interesting, okay? And this is kind of where Tom made his little 50-50 comment earlier. So successful intenders, so people had an intention and succeeded in their intention, 38.7%. And then unsuccessful intenders, so people who had an intention but failed, was 33%, right? Quite a lot. So essentially what this does tell us is if you set out with an intention of a positive fitness-related goal, whatever that is, the outcome is going to be somewhat 50-50 as in, Will the intention be successful? Yeah, right. So it's it's quite difficult to to say that. Okay, look, you want it enough. We don't want it enough. It doesn't really seem to. It's a flip of a coin, basically. If you want to put it like that, regardless if you want it, if you want it enough or you don't, whether or not you you succeed or not, according to this paper, it seems to be about fifty fifty. I mean, the whole point of the intention behavior gap. Is that well? What is that gap in the middle? What is if someone is generally have they generally have the intention to pick up these behaviours? However, they don't manage to do that to actually initiate the behaviour or at least maintain it. Then what is the missing link? What is in the middle? What is actually within that gap? And there's no one answer. And I'm sorry, I know I know people seem to assume it is where they just simply didn't want it hard enough. And don't get me wrong, look, I'm going to element to that. I'm going to come out and straight away and say, yeah, exactly. There is an element to that. <laughs> I've had it. Well, I've had clients where no matter what, no matter what, they just simply had zero interest. And you can tell with those people straight away that they have no intention to change, you know, but for whatever reason, they're still having personal training. There's no one right answer. There could be a whole multitude of factors, some that aren't even like individual reasons. It could be a whole multitude of reasons mixed together that creates that gap in the middle. Oh, I guess what we're going to do now, Tom. We're going to look at we're going to look exactly at those. Let's points. look at some gaps. So, let's look at some gaps. Uh, so we'll look at some we'll look at some interesting other points from this paper because they kind of fit into what we we're just saying there. So, the intention behaviour gap was particularly low among participants with health risks. Okay, so if we were then to look at the health belief model, you could then say right. that individuals are more likely to engage in sort of health related behaviours when they think they are susceptible to negative health health outcomes if they fail, right? So basically what that means is people are more likely to engage in a health-promoting activity if they think there's going to be a negative health outcome if they fail, right? So mm. for example, if I give you an extreme case, if you go to the doctor and you're morbidly obese and they say to you, if you don't lose weight in six months, you could die because you are chronically, you are, you know, morbidly obese is obviously a disease, it's very serious. And if the doctor says to you, if you don't lose weight in X, Y, Z, you will die, the health belief model will then say 
those individuals are more likely to engage in those health-related behaviours because they think they will die. I mean, your bedside manner is terrible, so I'm glad you're not a doctor, but yes, <laughs> yeah, essentially, but no, yes. Yeah, essentially, that would be, no, be a good reason, yeah. I was trying to make it extreme so people understood it. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, sometimes it could be the opposite. Some people may not part- uh, participate in certain behaviours because they're unaware of the benefits of it. Uh, here's, here's a really good one, actually, and I was talking to funny enough I was talking to one of my bosses about this because he had no idea about it but um, look at the step count the daily step count right so we've spoken about it before how um, the original belief was you had to do kind of 10 or the general public's belief is that you need to do 10,000 steps or what is the point you know well if I can't do 10,000 steps what's the fucking point of me even trying in the first place because I'm not going to hit that magic mark but we've looked at previous evidence that showed that actually you can have dramatic health improvements because once again we've looked into studies on what actually happens when you do adhere to the physical guidelines with well, a list of you know, 2000 steps exactly if you did 2000 or 5000 or that massive sweet spot of seven and a half thousand <laughs> yeah so someone might not have the intention to pick up walking because they think i can't do 10,000. so what is the point but if you was to kind of reframe the conversation just kind of plant the seed a little bit and say hey did you know that you could actually have like massive health benefits by just doing five thousand a day suddenly that's a more realistic goal to some people not everyone but some people so suddenly planting that seed they might go oh hang a minute i never knew that i thought i'd do ten thousand well guess what that mind now we've not really spoken about the stages of change yet so i won't spoil it but it moves them a little bit further along that model of where they start to contemplate well hang a minute maybe i should start doing five thousand because i know i can do that many steps a day so there's all there's a whole right wide range of like health related reasons that can kind of push people to be more at least interested in put possibly taking up these um behaviors yeah and a lot of it is about perception because if we, if we actually look at the health belief model as a, as a whole it would be broken down into you've got perceived susceptibility perceived severity perceived benefits perceived barriers and you've got self-efficacy and cues to action so there's a lot of perceiving going on there of people how they perceive yeah, exactly. certain sort of areas you know and this is why um i believe the language we use in regards to health and fitness and exercise and nutrition is extremely important, as particularly as like PTs or coaches or nutritionists or dietitians. It's why I have a massive hard on for PTs that fear mono exercise, because you are contributing to negative perceptions of exercise and movement. Look at um, when, when I do my weightlifting classes. One of the biggest barriers the ladies tell me is. I'm worried of hurting myself if I do it. Perceived wrong. severity. Perceived severity. Perfect. If they think if they, if, if they think if they think they oh if they bend their back in a certain way they're going to break their spine. Their perceived severity is high, so they're like oh I don't want to do that. My health my health might take it down if I do this. So that's that, that, yeah. that's a barrier. Or, so then we've got a perceived barrier, and it's oh, all linked. Yeah, hundred percent. Or oh I don't want to get too bulky. Mm, there we you go. Know. And look, this isn't about. This is not about belittling people and saying, oh, you're a fucking idiot. You, 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 you're thinking wrong. You know, you're participating in wrong thinking. You've been told the wrong thing, therefore you're an idiot. It's not like that at all. And there is a way that you can talk to the general public without making them feel fucking stupid. You're not there to just, you know, knowledge dump them and make them feel silly. 
we've kind of just touched on the health belief model there, but we've also got the trans theoretical model, which I know Tom is very familiar with. We've spoken about this many times, and Tom's done many posts on this. Oh, um, I'm swabbing so now, mate. I'm so what I'll do is I'll break, I'll break it down because Tom's going to be literally shaking with excitement. So I'll, I'll break down the uh, the trans theoretical model. <laughs> basically, stage, sta- <laughs> there's basically some stages of change. Okay, so you've got pre contemplation, pre contemplation. We'll try that. again. <laughs> yeah, you've got pre contemplation. You've then got contemplation, you've then got preparation, action, and then maintenance. Okay, so if we then rewind to the start, so pre-contemplation, that is where you've got sort of no awareness or you've got an attention or some sort of attention of behavior change. Okay, that's you thinking, okay, I want to have an intention now of changing a behavior. So you're kind of, you're pre-contemplating, aren't you? You're thinking, okay, what's going on here, right? Um, You're then going to contemplate. So this is where you get more aware of it. So you're aware of the needed behavior change. So let's, for example, say if I go back to my extreme case of morbidly obese, you, you've got no awareness. You've got no awareness as a problem, hence why you're in that cycle of what you're doing. Okay. You then go to contemplation where you become aware that you need to have behavior change. If we go back to the health belief model, you spoke to a doctor. They've said you're going to die in six months. I know I'm being very, very morbid, but they say you're going to die in six months. You're now aware of a needed behavior change. So you start planning for change, but you've not yet committed You've not actually taken any action. You just said to yourself, okay, I need to lose some weight or I'm going to, you know, die in six months, right? You then start preparing. You go for a preparation phase. You begin, you know, making some plans, you know, maybe get a fucking little flow chart going on thinking, okay, what can I do to make behavior change? Um, and you've then got to be, you know, that, that's basically it really, you're just planning. Um, then this is where things get more challenging, you could say. You've then got to take action on that preparation, right? So you've got to implement your intended behavior changes right so you've got to look at how you've changed your behavior um and you've got to think okay what am i doing and you've got to make an effort to change said behavior once that's done you've then got to try and maintain it this is this is probably the most difficult part of it lots of people can very resonate with this next thing is that you might take the action to make a behavior change for example lose weight but then maintaining it is a tricky bit so you've got to try and maintain that to prevent cessation of that behavior change right so if you've lost weight in that six months you've then got to try and keep it off that is essentially the trans theoretical model it might also be all different things so all the stages of change or the the, the five like it, the five step kind of model because yeah it's pre-contemplation contemplation preparation action and maintenance i prefer to add an extra step to that and that would be actually purposely adding in the idea of a relapse the director's cut yeah, the director's cut. Exactly that. The three hour special edition. Relapse. So that, would you say that was you say that links in with maintenance? Hundred percent. Yeah. So look, when we if we go way back and this is this is related, but we kind of talk about the definitions of health. And the idea I like to look at is Huber's definition, which is like the ability to self manage. So let's just say that you successfully go through these stages of change, right? Pre contemplation. So that's before you've even decided to let's use your patient, for example. He has no idea, you know, what of a problem. problem he's got with regard to his health. Then eventually, contemplation because, you know, your bedside manner has told him that he's about to die, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Well done with that. <laughs> no worries. Preparation. This person has joined the gym and they've also started learning how to prepare homemade food. Action occurs. So they've started going to the gym. They've started uh, meal prepping. You know, they've stopped ordering kebabs, etc. And then maintenance, they're trying to actually maintain that new action they've created. They're trying to create. But then what happens in life, Bill? 
barriers occur. Well, curve, curveballs, isn't it? Life is not linear. Life, Things exactly that. Life is anything not can happen. Linear. A new stress, a new stress could be imp- implemented. You know, there's numerous things that could happen that could cause that relapse. You know, if I if, if yeah. I give an example, let's say this patient is going really well. Let's then say that you know, we'll, fucking, we'll keep we'll keep on the death train, shall we? Let's keep it morbid. Let's say a re- let's say a relative a relative of theirs passes away. That could induce a lot Depression. of emotional stress. Exactly, that and then induces emotional distress. So what happens? They go back to their old their old habits because what happens when, you're in a, when your body's in a state of stress it goes back to what it's comfortable with and that person is to get into a case get into a situation where you're morbidly obese you've had to spend many years in a certain behavior so what they're going to do they're going to go back to that long-term behavior and that's where they relapse exactly hmm. and another thing to realize as well is that isolations don't necessarily always work in isolation hmm. you know there could be a multitude of barriers both big and small or a whole bunch of minute ones to make this relapse happen so it could be that yeah a rel- obviously we're using an extreme so- example here but yeah a relative's died but at the same time winter's around the corner you know it's getting colder so you stop doing as much activity your work might have picked up you know because your work has picked up and because you've, sta- you, you've started staying indoors more because it's getting colder you've started to feel a little bit more depressed and stressed because you feel like you're letting yourself down which then makes you feel less confident to actually go and do these activities it's a whole multitude of things obviously we've used some extreme ones there but it could be a whole multitude of things i think it's just easier to it's easier to communicate if we use extreme examples i know it's quite yeah extreme, exactly but if but we make literal it literal ones yeah literal yeah. if i start talking about food deserts i know i'm just going to get people upset <laughs> yeah, right. you know um or, or we start talking about like the political situation of the current world you know there's a hundred reasons as to why someone might start to relapse but you've got to understand that relapsing is a part of it and once you realize that it's a part of it that's when you can start looking at and once again i felt we need to put this on a shirt you could realize actually my failure is feedback now this barrier has happened what can i do to learn from this and either one make sure this doesn't happen again or two if this does happen again, what can I do to kind of just like change it or move around this barrier? So, for example, if um, if if it is due to work picking up, you might have to realise yourself, okay, maybe I can't hit the gym three times this week. Maybe it'll only be two. God, it's going to be so bad. It might be only one day I get to the gym. So but instead of just... relapsing to zero, you've, you, you've got the awareness now. That, it's, that links to knowledge, really, isn't it? You're equipped with the knowledge of, no, okay, I haven't, got to go back to zero this yeah. I haven't got to go back to zero like I did last time. I know I, if I actually just take it back to two, I'll probably be okay. I'll probably be, I'll probably be fine. I could probably manage that. And that's where, as you said, failure is feedback. You're learning from it. And you're gaining knowledge, which is something we are going to talk about. Knowledge is very important when it comes to motivation and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, another thing to take into consideration is that the model itself is not supposed to be viewed as linear either. So you don't always... We can use both models, though. We spoke about that health, the health, yes. um, the health belief model, and we can also use that with the trans theoretical model. It hasn't got; it's not; they're not exclusively one or the other. You haven't got to sit there and go, "Well, which model should yeah. I use to improve my health?" Well, but they can. <laughs> what I mean with the stages of change or the trans theoretical model is, you won't always pre-contemplate, contemplate, prepare, then action, maintain, relapse, then back and forth, back and forth. You can actually jump back in and out at any stage. So, what I mean by that is, you could start contemplating on doing something and then it just never happens which goes Mm. back to that intention behavior gap you know or you could prepare 
So you could buy new running shoes, you can join a gym, but then never actually do anything. You could buy a slow cooker and not actually do anything. You could actually prepare by reading a self-help book, sorry, a self-help book, but never actually put that into action. However, you could relapse and then go back into always beginning, such as the pre-contemplation stage. So oh, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna get back into the thing. I'm gonna get back into the swing of things again. Or you could just have one of those mad days where like you completely drop off and don't do anything for months, and then one day you just find out you just end up going to the gym, and straight away you've gone straight back into the action phase. You know, you can drop in and out. It's fluid. And this is where I think, because obviously it sounds very, not basic, but it's obviously been very sort of, we're just, I've given you an overview of it. This is where it helps to have a very good, so whatever aspect, we obviously we'll talk about from a fitness point of view, but having help in certain areas is what's going to make you more successful. Having a 100%. coach in certain areas, because the pre-contemplation and the contemplation, they're kind of you on your own there. That's you thinking about it. But then when it comes to preparation and action, that's where having someone in your corner to help you makes a huge difference. Because let's, for example, if you, you any asset any asset people like to think they they know everything but we don't and that's where we get help for things so if you get help to prepare something what's the whole what's that saying tom can i let you say it that classic classic military saying about say planning again. the classic military saying about planning oh your seven p's <laughs> there we go yeah this is where i'm going to start on. stuttering yeah go and on. actually certain certain units might actually say it in a different way are you going to start speaking irish jimmy yeah <laughs> oh, fucking <laughs> Oh, that's racist, that. Um, oh, God, here we go. So, <laughs> fucking hell, you've put me on the spot now. So, proper plan... Prop- you, you fucker, you've done this to me on purpose. Proper <laughs> planning and preparation... Proper planning and preparation prevents piss-poor performance. Right, Ex- I managed to do that okay, go. actually. Yeah, well done, well done, exactly. I was stuttering already. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to have more of a successful intention with your action or succeed your intention with the action having proper planning and preparation is going to be key. And that's where you, the help of a coach in whatever aspect you're looking to do is quite helpful. Then the action, when you want to implement these intended behavior modifications, having that person help you guide you through that action is very useful. Now, the maintenance phase, yes, you could still have someone there with you, but if you, the person you've been working with on the action is good at what they do, they should help you build self-efficacy. They should equip you with the knowledge to go and do it yourself which then means when you get to the maintenance phase you should be equipped with everything you need to maintain it without that help so can i throw a spanner in the works here and i'm going to give you another military saying here that's going to kind of show you how uh, double-sided the army can be um or the military in general so we've just spoke about the seven p's right mm-hmm. and in relation to this we're talking about making a plan and preparing etc and that is all very good but what is another saying no plan survives first contact exactly (laughs) so what i mean by that is that you could have the most perfect envision of how you're going to put uh, your new behaviors into action but once again what if a barrier appears all of a sudden well this is where i'm going to say again having help is going to because let's be honest if you're working for example like tom tom you've seen numerous different scenarios over working with numerous clients so if you go if you went to the gym you're brand new to it and you've done a really good plan you've looked online you've read loads of books you've watched all these youtube videos and then you get to your action phase and as we said no no plans far as first contact something comes up and you go shit what do i do now having someone i don't know like tom for example i use because he's there in front of me but that he'd be able to go okay well i've seen this before i've seen this before I've, I've seen this scenario before. Let's let's talk about it. And then you can navigate around that barrier. Yeah. And that's what's, I think, really, really important because otherwise you then might relapse at the first hurdle. 
which obviously this is I do think that this is where it does help to have a you know a, a a good coach or not even a good coach you could just be a part of a social circle you know of like-minded yeah, it's a, people yeah. there's a community you know, of people yeah a crossfit box or a yeah, weightlifting sure. class or you know just a facebook group or something like that so you can get an out sometimes we need to take the blink we're wearing blinkers right and we can only get that tunnel vision where we see what's directly ahead of us. We only see our own problems. But sometimes we could get an outsider to look and go, well, have you considered trying this? And you can, you're basically getting advice or ideas of what to do during a relapse, of how to actually prepare you to confront those barriers that suddenly appear. So this is where I, I'd say like it's a good idea to realise that you're going to be fluid with this model. You can jump in and out of it at any time. And, you know, just be willing to set your expectations as well. And, yeah, self-reflect. So, you Think know, it's like a curve, said, isn't it? It's a curve up and down, up and down curve. It's not a straight line. It's an up and down curve, you know. So, as we said, like, no plan will survive contact, right? So, what do you have to be? You have to be really good at adapting the plan and setting your expectations. So, for example, uh, I just want to quickly give you a real-life example. Um, I have a whole bunch of ladies that religiously come to my weightlifting classes, right? And one of them came like every so it was like pretty much like three times in the space of a week but then she had a drop off and then when i saw her after a while i said to her so how's physical activity been and she looked almost ashamed and she said i've not really done much since i last saw you so i was like okay i was like but when you kind of reflect back on it technically even though i didn't see you in the space of a week you know what you've done in the space of a month is a lot more than what you did in the total of last year. Do you see what I mean? So, so actually, that's a victory. You need to consider that. Don't think that because you've you know dropped off a couple of classes that you've you failed. You've not. It's just that life has got in the way. That's reflection you know? almost as well. Isn't it? Looking back exactly. and kind of what what past experiences. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> what do you know, guys? We'll move on to looking a bit closer at that that statement that we mentioned at the very start of the podcast is do people fail because they don't want it enough um so what is we're going to look at some sort of info on motivation and kind of things that key into it and then how though how that then links to behavior so if we looked at kind of the word motivation we've kind of got we can if we look at certain like certain models you can see there's like three things that would like link to it you could uh, autonomy competence and relatedness mm. okay and that all links to motivation um, I mean, I don't know really what the break what the best way to break that down would be. Um, Do you know what you just reminded me of something that is related to this, but I completely forgot about it. But there's also some evidence out there in regards to New Year's resolutions. Okay. About who tends to keep more long term in line with their goals, and they showed people that tend to pick more kind of um, process driven goals. Have we have we done a podcast on yeah, this? Yeah, we have done a podcast. You we have, haven't we? Yeah, we've literally done a podcast on this. Yeah, process, we have done a podcast yeah, process driven this. goals. Yeah, like process driven goals where you're more in line with like intrinsic, intrinsically motivated because it's the idea of I'm going to do something rather than stop doing something. So I'm going to move more rather than oh I'm going to stop eating this. Yeah, autonomy, isn't it? Yeah, and that builds up autonomy. That could build up self efficacy mm. a lot more appropriately, I believe. And then as I said, competence that links heavily to motivation because people don't like not being able to do something, right? If you feel like you can't do task X, Y, Z, you're going to be less motivated to do so. Obviously, people will then say, oh, well, you just need to do it, practice it, and you'll get better at it. But obviously, that <laughs> that's a, that, that's obviously a difficult thing to na- navigate. And then relatedness, that's obviously just, you know, relating to what you want in life. You know, is it is it relating to it? If, if, if is this 
thing you want to do. So let's, for example, say, I don't know, let's say you want to be an amazing swimmer, but then someone says, let's go for a run. Is that related? Is that relatable to your intentions? Not really. So are you going to be motivated to go for that run? Probably not. You're probably not going to be. Plus, you haven't really, you're not really competent in it because we've been doing a swimming. So you're probably, the chances are you're going to have quite low levels of motivation. So all these things are going to link into kind of, are you motivated to do that? By saying, I don't want it enough, that's yeah. obviously just a statement. That There's obviously, as we've just explained, there's obviously more to it than just that. But then if we move on to the, um, how would you, would you say combi model or would you say COMB model? Oh, but a military man in me wants to say combi. Yeah, com- yeah com- the combi, combi model. model. <laughs> the combi, yeah, the combi model, yeah. We'll say the combi model because we're just going to go there. So if, we, so if we then look at the combi model of behavior change, then we'd start with motivation as kind of the central point, And then it basically has like a link to behavior. So behavior then links off to motivation, links off to opportunity and off to capability. I like this model because it kind of goes in line with what I was saying earlier, isn't it? It jumps in and out between each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more, very... If it, yeah. Obviously, you can't see this chart, but it is all just basically all in between each other. So, if you could, you'd be really impressed and excited. You'd be very, you'd be very excited, I know, right? Like, it's amazing. I've never seen a chart like this. If you if you've changed your behaviour to be capable at a certain task, you're then more capable, so you're more competent, which then increases your motivation. Your then motivation goes down to behaviour, which is then going to help you maintain that behaviour because oh great, I'm loving it, I'm doing really well, I want to keep going, I want to keep going, blah blah blah, right? But then you've got opportunity, which is on the other side of the thing, which is where it then becomes more about barriers, okay? You've got a behavior you want to make. Have you got the opportunity to change that behavior? Is there any is there any barriers in the way? Because if there is, your motivation is going to take a hit. Whereas on the vice versa, if you've got the opportunity to do it, then your motivation is going to increase. I really like this model because it actually simplifies it a little bit more, in my opinion. So if I was to give you two real-world examples that I've come across before, just say capability, right? your confidence and your capability to do something so remember when we we're speaking about um basically um females and lifting and like the barriers for females and lifting and i said that before like uh, one of the barriers i realized was that some of the women that were coming to my weightlifting class were worried that they wouldn't be able to set up the rack because me like a fucking idiot didn't realize that and i've been doing everything for them they could do the lifts fine but it was little things like mucking around with the clips and setting up the j-hooks and then when i took a step back i was had a minute i need to make sure they have the capability to do there you go the capability to do this themselves so i took a step back and that's not me being ungentlemanly that's just me making them get more confident of literally coming into the gym setting out themselves while they're standing in the background you know so that's the capability aspect of it in regards to the opportunity part this is where we could talk about um barriers that are more outside of someone's control maybe so for you know for, so for example okay i could say to anyone go get your ten thousand steps in rise and grind no escape uh, no excuse <laughs> no escape but yeah no escape to be fair <laughs> that can be the tagline of some of these shitheads pts no escape from the bullshit um well what about if you don't finish work until very very late and you don't feel comfortable walking at that time of night have you really got the opportunity to walk safely what about finances if your goal is to you want to join a gym to improve your health but you are financially strapped do you even have the opportunity to join a gym you know, I'm sure there's going to be a PT that says, you know, go get a third job with Uber so you can afford it. Rise and grind. Cancel hustle, your Netflix. You know, stay hard. And you're fine. Cancel your Netflix. Yeah. Cancel your mobile phone. Despite modern life expecting and relying on you to have a phone, you know, cancel your mobile phone. 
Um, so yeah, like I do like the idea that they've kind of simplified it to you know your personal capability and then actual opportunities which may or may not be within your control. Obviously, we've gone through quite a lot of charts there, guys. Obviously, a lot of information. What we're, what we're trying to do now is what can you do before setting an intentional goal to enable success? We're trying to break it down a little bit more so you've got some more actionable takeaways. It's just to hit home a bit hard before we finish because if we go back to that original statement, you know, simply wanting it or wanting it enough or not wanting it enough, while there is obviously something behind it, it, from what I can see, it's basically, as I said, like flipping a coin, you know, by saying to yourself, oh, I really want to do this, you might succeed that intentional, you might not, right? So that if if you dig deeper into these more behavior models, I feel like you're going to set yourself up success more because you're getting more deep into it as opposed to just simply saying, well, I really want it, so I'm going to do it, okay? Um, so we've got a few points here we're going to go through, we'll kind of discuss them a little bit. So the first one really is, Tom's kind of already explained this a little bit, is that you you, you firstly realize that changing a behavior is very, very challenging. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Changing a changing a pre existing behaviour is going to require some effort, okay. And we won't obviously beat the head of it. Obviously, you obviously want to do it, but there's all the other stuff we just mentioned, the behaviour things, okay. So that's kind of something you need to do before you even start thinking about changing any behaviour. Is recognise yourself and tell yourself this won't be easy. It's not going to be linear, and there's going to be lots of ups and downs. But if you realise that, it means that when you do have these setbacks. Well, you'd be, okay, well, I was expecting something. I knew it wasn't going to be an easy ride, so it won't hit you as hard and it might prevent that relapse. But it's also important to understand that this requires a lot of patience and there's going to be a lot of trial and error and it's a lifelong skill you need to develop. And you'll find that as the years go by, you'll be introduced to a whole new wide range of, you know, barriers that need you to kind of take a step back and, you know, replan and reorg basically to you know go back into it with the intention to of carry on your new behaviors or to at least change them something else is really important is you 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 set yourself some specific goals that are going to reflect your whatever you're worried about reflect what you want so you can say desires what you know what means a lot to you what you what you hold valuable to you and what what is your what are your priorities okay Mm. so you want to kind of make sure that the goals you're setting are in line with all of that and they're not like basically random yeah Another, I mean, another. This is kind of going back to if we basically tag back onto that 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 piece about motivation, that sort of graph there is that your psychological needs to be you know competent in whatever task you want to do, um, they are with relatedness, autonomy, and the competence are being met. That they are they are being met. Okay, you, you are in your head. You are you know the things you're doing are meeting those areas. They're improving your competence. They're helping with relatedness. So obviously, they are relatable to what you want to do and they are helping with autonomy. So that's self-efficacy basically saying that is what you're doing are going to allow you to do it. So for example, if I give you, uh, let me give an example. So what can I say as an example? Basically, like if someone's telling you about, I don't know how to do lifts or how to do stuff in the gym, if they're just telling you to do X, Y, Z, so let's say just do three by three, mate, crack on. Yeah, why? But that be that wouldn't really be helping with autonomy. But if they were then to break down why they've given you that task, what the outcome of that task is, and how you can then use that, implement that yourself. You now know the in, reason why. You now know the reason it. why you're doing it, which then means that going forward, psychologically, you're like, okay, autonomy, self-efficacy. I I can now do this on my own. So what what happens? What happens with that? You're now you've now got the self-efficacy to do it yourself. So you've now got competence. You now know how to do it. You're competent in that task. And, you and have your relate- reasoning. Yeah, and you're rela- it's relating to your goal. So you've then hit all those three points I just mentioned, competence, relatedness, and autonomy. You've hit all those just because your coach has told you why, as opposed to saying do. 
they've, they've obviously told you to do it, but they've then explained why instead of just going, yeah, do that, mate. And then just sat back and done nothing. Because then you just sat there going, why the fuck am I doing this? Why the fuck am I doing this? But if you know the reason why you're doing it, and if they explain the reason why they're getting you to do it, once again, we're talking about if you have a coach. But if they explain the reason why you're doing it and you decide, hey, mate, this is not aligning with my goals, guess what? You can explain to them why you think that and then they can obviously change it for you. And then if we finish up with basically going back to that uh, combi model, um, you, you're going to want to have the capabilities and opportunities needed to facilitate your behavior change. Okay, so what I mean by that is we give you some sort of actions on that. By having the capabilities, right, that doesn't mean, oh, you've got to somehow then magically know how to do a deadlift or magically know how to do a lifting session. It just means you might need to have to get a coach to help you in whatever task you want to do. That ties into you having the capabilities, Okay, because you've got someone guiding you on the process. The opportunities, that could be down to your planning situation. That could be down to the planning. If we go to the theoret- uh, trans-theoretical model, you've got your opportunities could be, okay, what do I need to put in place to allow me to facilitate this behavior change? Okay, I want to lose weight. Okay, I've got to, I've got to control my calories. I might have to meal prep. How? What opportunities can I give myself to do this how can i enable myself to meal prep what do i how need am to i going to make it as an easier process as possible easiest process for me? possible yeah can i do this can i can i tie in with a certain thing you know maybe i'll have to i don't know there's, there's certain activities you do in the evening already how, maybe i can piggyback onto that already built routine by meal prepping at the same time and that's giving you the opportunity to do so all right and then capability wise if you haven't got the capabilities to prepare food that's where you maybe speak to someone or you in your playing situation go okay how do i learn to get the capabilities to do that and how, how can I get the opportunity to put those capabilities into action so it's not <laughs> there's obviously a lot to it it's it, we, it's it is do you know what we should have actually started this podcast by really stressing how complicated the situation is <laughs> so yeah pop a couple take of paracetamol, paracetamol and yeah. want it more yeah and want it more yeah Stay hard. yeah but <laughs> no like it's a it's a really complicated situation um, complex yeah Complex, not complicated. I want to yeah, say complex. complex. Yeah, it sounds it's, more friendly. It's it's not actually complicated, really, but it's just very complex to. Do you know what? If I was to simplify it, it's let you know that it is a complex situation, but there's no one right way no. to initiate behaviour change. You know, everyone's an individual. They're all going to have their own intrinsic or extrinsic motivations. They're all going to have their own barriers. You know. They're going to have their own needs, their own goals, their own reasons. I think a lot of this does come down to experience helps. Experience helps. But I do know that not everyone has experience. You know, it's it's like when you go to a job for a starting position and they still want five years experience. (laughs) Yeah. They they want a 20-year-old hustler with 10 years experience. There are certain materials you can look into to upskill in regards to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is like putting these skills into practice in regards to like initiating behavior change and motivational interviewing and understanding what different barriers there are and different ways to actually kind of like um, confront and combat them as well so yeah there are different ways you could put these skills into practice as a coach at least um, however sadly I think in the personal training world at least some of the things you definitely need just simply don't exist. So, for example, a lot of PTs just simply don't have empathy. To initiate behaviour change as a coach with a client, you need to kind of take a step back and actually, one, empathise with them and not just go, this cunt's being lazy or they're just making excuses. 
Why are they not listening to David Goggins? <laughs> patience is another one. They simply don't have patience. You've not stuck to your calories in a week. You're a failure and you're frustrating me now. And the amount of times I've heard that from other PTs, like they, they lose patience with clients straight away because they relapse, which you should be expecting as a coach or a PT. You know, and um, oh, another one. One of the biggest skills you could have as a PT is to just shut the fuck up and listen. Listen to what they are telling you because they will they will tell you the barriers. You know, it's no good spending an hour just belt feeding them about calories and meal prep and this and that. Yeah, you can put the feelers out there and say, have you ever considered meal prep? But then guess what? You want to shut the fuck up and just listen to what they have to say. Too many PTs do a lot of this, a lot of talking, but not enough listening. And that's where you're actually going to hear the nitty gritty of what their life is actually like. That's where you'll hear their barriers. Another thing, barriers don't always have to be physical. They don't have to be, oh, you do live in a food desert or you do work a, um, you know, a full-time job where you don't finish until late and it's dangerous and you live in a high crime area. Barriers could also be someone's belief system. So if you're rattling off just calories, calories, calories to someone, but in their mind, this person believes that all frozen fruits and veggies are bad for them. Guess or what? Fruits You're never in general, gonna... if we go off last week, last yeah, week's exactly. belief thing about fructose being bad for you. But Don't if you just fruit. ask some open-ended questions, just ask them just a simple, you ain't got to say how much protein do you have a day? Give me it in grams. You know, if you just ask them, <laughs> yeah. talk to me about your diet. And then just shut the fuck up and let them go just off listen, for 10 minutes. Let, let them go off, yeah. It, they, they know the story. They know the story. God, I'm getting angry here, but it's because I'm actually picturing certain people in my mind as I'm saying this, so I'm going to stop. There, there are some really good resources out there to learn more about this. Uh, there's yeah, there's motivational interviewing by um, Rolnick and, oh, God, Rolnick Miller. There we go. Rolnick and Miller. And then you've got, uh, yeah, Gary Mendoza, which does a course on the stages of change, funny enough. There's a lot of behavioral change courses you can do, and they're probably one of the more important aspects of upskilling your education as opposed to like i don't know an orthopedics course for correcting your rotator cuff or whatever other shit is being flogged out there yeah run over yeah i went off there a bit yeah as we said it's quite complex so feel free to get in touch if you want to you know you want to discuss us more and um, as tom said days and he's an excellent listener so please when i'm not please. ranting <laughs> get in touch with him but uh, when he's not running. Um, what I'll do now quickly, I'll just quickly just go through that trans- uh, theoretical model again. Just for, just, just a little reminder of you to kind of, if you're out there listening and you're thinking you want to make a change, you want to change a behavior of yours that you're not happy about, or maybe there's something you want to do positive. You know, there's, there doesn't have to be one, you know, one intention of mine. But if you've got an intention to change behavior, if you were to use the trans theoretical model, this is kind of how you would go about it. Your pre-contemplation phase, which is obviously you've got no awareness of the, you know, of the situation contemplation is when you're then aware you want to change your behavior okay maybe you want to run a marathon or you you know you want to increase your steps by every day you want to lose weight blah blah blah, whatever okay that's your contemplation then your preparation this is where you're going to begin to plan to make your behavior change this is really important um you know as as we said with our little seven piecing there okay obviously you want to make sure you prepare properly or you know you're setting yourself up to fail essentially but in part of that preparation fail becoming aware that you probably will fail or you probably will have setbacks. Maybe not fail completely, but you will have hiccups. You will have roadblocks. Okay, you can implement if you if you plan properly. You can actually implement those in there. And if you plan with someone who knows, if they've got the experience, if you plan with someone who knows about these roadblocks, you can be like, okay. So what happens if this happens during what this, this phase? They can be like, well, 
yeah what do you do and then you can just write off of your community okay well, i do this okay well i'll put this I'll, I'll put i'll put this in my plan if x happens during this phase it doesn't have to be the end of the world i can try this and this might keep me on track so that's part of your planning phase we then got action so this is where you're implementing your intended behavior modifications so if you want you know, if you want to increase your daily activity this is where you're actually trying to do so and then you've got the maintenance phase which is you're trying to maintain that behavior change okay and if you if you've done the action part in a sustainable way so in a way that uh, enables you know all those things we spoke about before if it enables autonomy competence um, basically improving your capabilities of that task if you do all those things during the action that should in theory allow you to maintain said behaviors better than if you didn't and that's essentially that is essentially an overview of of, of that, um, and it all leads back to that one thing: do you want it? Do you want it enough? Yeah. <laughs> do you want it enough? Eh? I mean, a lot of these models, I think, are they could be more useful from the perspective of a professional, like a coach or a PT, a dietitian, nutritionist. But I do think it can still be helpful for the general public. It more so, I think, if you look at it from the aspect that there is another stage which would be relapsing and to understand that it is a part of the process, it's absolutely normal and it's the only way you're going to learn how to actually find ways to cope and deal with barriers that appear. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. As I said, please get in touch if you've got anything you want to ask about this. This is obviously quite a complex sort of conversation there. Very different to last week's episode where it's a bit more fucking chaotic. I would say unless it's to do with a... Unless it's doing like a health scare, in which case your bedside manner, Jesus Christ, like Doctor Death. Yeah, if you want, if you want me, to if you want me to tell it to you straight, guys, get me in touch. I'll literally tell you. You've got three minutes to live. <laughs> Absolutely no dramas. God, fucking Joseph Mengel with your bedside manner. Right, <laughs> anyway, guys, well, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks very much for everyone joining us. Of course, thank you to our uh, Patreon producers, Jenny and Clean. Absolute legends. Always uh, appreciate having you guys listening. That's if you still are listening. Well, I hope you are. Being, being producers and all and of course thank you to all the other patrons or patrons over at patreon um, and helping support the running cost of the podcast um, if you did enjoy the podcast and you want to join us again next week for the next edition of the fitness news make sure you hit the button on your app there is normally some sort of button you can click whether that's subscribe follow um what i mean it's normally something by clicking that button it helps the podcast get exposure and you obviously then get notified when we bring out the next episode of the fitness news um, so if you did enjoy this and you want to hear more of us talk some shit on a weekly basis and yeah hit that button i concur <laughs> and on that note then it's uh, it's been a pleasure as always and we will see you next week same time same place for some more the fitness news see you soon see you soon